0: Hey guys, it's Michelle, Registered Dietitian, Certified Personal Trainer, and your host of the Simply Intuitive Podcast, where we talk all things intuitive eating and break down what's true versus what's diet culture so that you can focus on the simple and sustainable ways to actually improve your wellness. Today, we're talking to Clara Colley, another Registered Dietitian, who is going to share her amazing perspective on what health really looks like based on both her experience Working in a hospital as a clinical dietitian and spending years in the quote unquote influencer space on Instagram. So, we have a really interesting conversation. Claire has a lot of insightful, thoughtful um, comments and pieces of information to share. So, I hope you enjoy this chat. Okay.
1: Hi, Clara.
0: Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for joining me. I'm so excited that this um, Instagram connection is coming to real life.
1: <laughs> I was going to say taking it from Instagram to podcast to who knows
0: next. Yeah. yeah, semi-real life, I guess. We yeah. actually have not met in person, but <laughs> via video call. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to meet and connect and um, talk about Everything we're gonna talk about today, I I was really drawn to following your page, which I think I followed you maybe before I even was a dietitian or when I was in school because I just feel like our philosophies very much align and I feel like you are a voice of reason among the like Instagram craziness.
1: <laughs> wow. Well thank you. I always like to start off by saying I don't get it right all the time. I look back, you know, how on Instagram you can like look at your archive or whatever. Yeah. And I look at things and I'm like, why did I say that? <laughs> <And> that <laughs> yeah, means- <laughs> how long have you been a dietitian now?
0: Um, three years. Okay. Three, since 2019. So it was three, three and a half years now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah it seems like longer than that.
0: I anyway, know. It feels like longer. Maybe because school was so long, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, and how long have you been a dietitian? It's been a
1: while, right? Yeah, it's been um, summer 2016. Wow. So, Five, six years, I've lost count. I just went yeah, through the certification thing, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't done that yet, so I'm happy yeah. to not have done that yet. So yeah. that's a great place to start. Why don't you start off telling us, like, what you do, kind of where you started, and what your career trajectory has been?
1: Yeah. Um. All righty. Well, I... I'm a dietitian, like I said. I started out, so I graduated from the internship in 2016, and then from there, I just like jumped into PR PRN work at a hospital. Um, and for those that don't know, PRN it's just like as needed. I think of it as like you're a substitute teacher when the teacher is on vacation, oh. or something. Um, so I was filling in here or there, and then actually a full time position opened like a couple months later. So I ended up taking that role. Um, working as just a clinical dietitian in a hospital for uh, like almost six years until this year actually until January 2022 Um, and then I started a new position like brand new was not even a thing with a primary care clinic that had just opened in my area Um, and I don't know if people are really familiar with that model but it's um, actually kind of, a, a different type of model for lack of better words mm-hmm. of primary care. So, um, for those that don't have insurance, maybe you're like a small business or you just don't want to deal with insurance, whatever they don't file with insurance. So you pay like a monthly membership, okay. um, that includes like 95 to 98% of everything. Um, so it's really great to be a dietitian in that setting. Um, yeah. Well, uh, patients members will get to meet with me up to three times a year and that's included in their membership. And then on top of that, if they want like more direct support, um, then we've got, you know, kind of additional um, monthly packages that they can add on to, but um, yeah, that's where I am now. And then on top of that, of course, I have um, Instagram and my website. Yeah. I started that. Oh my gosh. Like it's been a while. Yeah, I actually started it in my sophomore, going into junior year of college um, in 2012. So wow. that was years
0: ago. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, and look at it now.
1: still it fun. Is, yeah, it's like morphed and changed into many different avenues based on kind of my career path and experience right. and whatnot. So um, yeah. As,
0: as we, we do. I, yeah. I mean, I love that. It's It's so cool to see kind of how how things change, how people change their mind. I know that even my thoughts and philosophies have changed and it's nice. Like we're a work in progress. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever figured it out completely. So you said you were just a clinical dietitian at a hospital. It is not just, that's a big <laughs> job. And I know, I mean, anyone who's been through the internship obviously has a lot of familiarity, but for those who are not dietitians and don't really know what it entails, can you just kind of expand on like, what you did in the hospital versus what your day-to-day is like now and kind of what does a dietitian even do in a clinical setting?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So as a clinical dietitian in a hospital, I think it will obviously kind of depend on like how big of the hospital setting it is. Like I was not at this huge research hospital like Duke Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, I was more at like a regional hospital. So kind of a smaller scale, but um, my day to day was really kind of like I would walk in, um, look up kind of the patients that I would be seeing that day, whether it was something that a doctor wanted us to talk to them about, or, um, we had different criteria that, you know, kind of roped patients into, Hey, you could see the dietitian. Um, and then from there, you just, you know, look up the patient, look up their information, kind of get a feel for what's going on, their past medical history. And then, um, it could be providing education on like diabetes or heart disease, liver disease, kidney disease. Um, it could be maybe they are on a ventilator in the ICU and so therefore they cannot eat. And so we um, as dietitians, are calculating out what we would call their tube feed um, and providing that and providing nutrition through that route. And um, it could be we had a lot of older adults in the hospital. Um, and so as we get older, malnutrition really at any stage of life, but malnutrition is a big risk and unintentional weight loss and not able to eat your nutrition, meet your nutrition needs. And so a lot of it was kind of navigating that conversation of like working with these older people that may live alone and um, just aren't eating enough and are losing weight and are getting weak and falling and breaking their hip and not able to live alone anymore. And it's just right. like so crazy to see the downstream effects of it all, and um, so just kind of being able to educate in that instance as well of like, okay, if you live alone, um, you don't have the energy to stand up and cook in your kitchen for thirty minutes. How can we make sure you're able to get some semblance of nutrition into your body, you know, multiple times a day, so that hopefully you can heal and recover, and hopefully you don't end up in the hospital or. Hopefully you can still live alone independently as long as you, you can and you want to.
0: Yeah. I share this piece of information so often, not just with clients, but so many people. And I think I got it from following you that <laughs> yeah. more people, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, hopefully not because I say it a lot, but yeah. that more older adults end up in assisted living, not because of like disease states, but because they just don't have the, the strength and muscle mass to... Yeah be like capable of their daily living activities
1: yeah i mean absolutely they they live alone they fall they break a hip mm-hmm. and they are just so like what is the word they decomp not de- decompensated deconditioned yeah yeah, yeah. now for seven months i don't even know the lingo anymore <laughs> yeah. and deconditioned is a term that oftentimes the physical therapist would use and like i mean they can't even get out of bed. you can't mm-hmm. go get out of bed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so it's not always yeah this like chronic health condition it's just the fact that you don't have the strength to live alone and so you you know you don't have family around um then yeah and assisted living is the place many people end up right right yeah and i just love
0: the fact that you like share and focus on that type of information, because it's such a different perspective to motivate people for their fitness, mm-hmm. their strength training, their protein intake, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so thinking more about that, what would you say has most shaped your philosophy and outlook on health?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously my job and my time at the hospital, I think that without a doubt was like one of the biggest um factors that has shaped and, and refined my outlook on health mm-hmm. going into it um I've just become honestly personally more grateful for the health that I have right and like the ability to get out of bed or to go on a walk or walk to the mailbox and mm-hmm. kitchen and cook like those are all things that I think it's easy to take for granted because it is just like a normal thing for us that we don't even think about. Um, they're just that kind of like being able to see, oh wow, thank you for the ability to, you know, mm-hmm. the activities of living. Um, and I think, kind of, even taking it a step further, it was just like being face to face, like having a patient laying in the bed beside you, like literally down on your knees, face to face, like seeing people that, um, live a totally different life than I do. Um, if you know. They've got different values, they have different priorities, budgets, um, season of life, support systems, relationships, experiences, and like all of that impacts our health and our our view of health, our approach of health, what we think of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love prioritizing health. It's something that is important to me, but um, I think of like the experiences in my life that make it, you know the easy thing or the obvious thing. And then I yeah. saw patients in the hospital where maybe they have diabetes and they didn't even know that drinking Coke was raising their blood sugar. And it's mm-hmm. just like, wow, you really get to stay, take a step back and be like, what got you to this point that honestly isn't even your fault? It's right. just, you know, the experiences and the environment around you. And so um, I think just having that experience in the clinical setting, I did not love it. It wasn't my passion, but it I feel like I learned more there than I probably taught patients.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure you taught them a lot. But yeah, like
1: Yeah, I just like learned oh. some more about life and Right. Um, yeah, I think and then kind of on top of that, there were many layers, but the job in the hospital kind of Reminded me of just the gratitude that I can have in my health, and then I kind of weave in like my faith background, and that is this kind of ties in, I guess, more to like the wellness world of Instagram, which I'm sure Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. I think so much there we define our worth, our value, our identity in how we look, or how we eat, or how like perfectly we can adhere to some diet or what we don't don't eat. Yeah, don't eat. Yeah, and like. We just base so much of our health routine on. I feel like approval from other people and what other people. One hundred percent. And for me, kind of weaving in my faith belief into that, I was like, "Oh no, wow! My identity is not in how I look or what people think of me. It's actually mm-hmm. so much, you know, more grounded." Um, and so that was a big, big kind of um, aspect of changing my outlook on health as well Great. yeah so
0: well how would you summarize and define like what your outlook and philosophy on health is because I have more questions about it but first can you just out paint a picture of like what's your definition of health
1: oh my gosh you know I feel like I should have a definition this is one of those things that like like I should probably have like a elevator pitch of what I think health <laughs>
0: But um, it's not that concrete,
1: so it's, it's hard to make, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think of it as, like, this one class, I had a minor in public health in college, and this one class, that to me, we talked about the dimensions of health. And it's, you know, the physical, the emotional, mental, um, relational or social, environmental, um, and, like, existential or, like, having a bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think simply health is like a culmination of all of this mm-hmm. um you know yeah we can focus on our physical health and and getting stronger or eating you know food that help support our blood sugar or whatever but if we're totally disregarding like our emotional health or our mental health or our relational health then is that you know truly healthy and, and being well Um, And so it's kind of multidimensional in that aspect. And then I also think of health kind of like a continuum or like a journey Mm -hmm. (laughs) seems so like cliche to say, but, and this is something else I took from my public health class. It was like, it is a continuum and there is no finish line to like achieving optimal health. Like, yeah, maybe you'll get there. And like every dimension of your health is like on point, but then, something inevitably is going to break. Um, right. and, and so we have to kind of learn how to give and, and um, be flexible in that instance of our health um, as well. So, right. yeah, and it's also individual, um, you know, health can mean something different, honestly, to everyone. Totally. And I learned that in the hospital first thing. It's like meeting meeting the patient where they're at. And Absolutely. What does health mean to them? Like, to me, health might mean I don't want to drink soda because it doesn't make me feel good. And so, um, but then I could compare that to, like, a patient that I talked to in a hospital who's drinking three, two liters of Mountain Dew a day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can we get you from three, two liters to one? Right. Or even one and a half or right. even two. Um, and that could be health.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so interesting, and I, this is something I think about, and was even having a conversation about this um, recently, about how how hard it is to accept that people's priorities are different, you know, and somebody, like, I work as a dietitian because I want pe- I want to help people in prioritizing their health and doing it in a realistic and sustainable way, and like, I, you know, I think you and I are similar in those types of, like, visions of health and goals and choices and all of those things. So being in the hospital, being in such a different, um, cause it was, in, I know you're in North Carolina, but what, what yeah, city that, was the hospital in? Are you in Asheville?
1: Um, I'm in Asheville. The hospital was in a little town called Clyde.
0: Oh, okay. Clyde, North Carolina. So yeah. kind of paints the picture there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, when you're in the hospital, there seeing all these different priorities how did you reconcile that? Was there frustration with like, man, I know that like this big picture of all these different facets of health is like what wellness can really feel like, but I'm not able to like fully do that in this setting. And how was that experience?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it was hard and challenging for me, if for no other reason than like for many of the patients, you would see them in the hospital and then, just knowing that they don't have the support, they don't have the access to education to help them kind of initiate and sustain or maintain changes in their health. And so that was honestly hard in and of itself because Mm -hmm. I was like, there is so much that I feel like I could talk about Mm -hmm. (laughs) that would help move them in the right direction um, that they may very well be interested in, but it, it, you know, I kind of had to reconcile all of that, like you said, and just get in conversation with them, like hear them, what their experiences are, like how they're actually doing and kind of like pull out a thread of if they Mm -hmm. mention something, maybe not even related to nutrition or food, but um, maybe they're like in an argument or have a tense relationship with someone they live with. And that is driving them to drink more alcohol or Mm -hmm. eat a ton of food that's not the best for them, then yeah, we could talk about nutrition, of course, or maybe we could talk about like building in healthier relationships or other ways to identify the stress that that relationship is causing um, and and dealing with it in a different outlet. um, Because ultimately there are many things that could have been talked about and I, you know, there was kind of just a finite opportunity for me in the hospital. So just being able to be like, you know, I can't do everything. I cannot change, can't even change their desire or lack of desire. Um, And just inviting them into the conversation of like, you know, what are you interested in? Right, right. Some, some, you know, education or um, recommendations or insight. And if I had many say, no, I don't care. Yeah, oh, that's, you know, that's fine. I, I cannot make you change. Right. Right. So cool. Here's my, you know, my phone number, my name. If you have any questions that ever pop up, even if you're not in the hospital, please call me. Oh,
0: well, they were lucky to have you. And it sounds like you brought a lot. What, what was the like biggest takeaway from that job? I know we've talked about several.
1: Yeah. Um I would definitely say one was just like meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Um we can't make people change. <laughs> yeah. Um health definitely we already mentioned this, but health exists along a spectrum and it looks different for um each person for mm-hmm. sure. Same does not help people change. <laughs> right. Um and I honestly think that, you know, of course there is a concern of like Uh, lack of access to education and, um, you know, no real support or community around it for many of these people, especially in like lower income populations. But honestly, above all of that, I think one of my biggest takeaways would just like people, more than anything, want to feel seen, they want to feel heard, and they want Mm -hmm. to feel valued. And so if I do not talk about anything related to nutrition, but that patient left feeling like validated in their pain or their suffering or their situation and like they actually have a sounding board and someone that was listening to them. Um, especially even in like the messed up healthcare model that we have today,
0: 100%. then I did my job.
1: Like that was the biggest takeaway is people just want to be heard and valued. One hundred percent. Yeah. I
0: mean I Yes, I see that so much in the work that I do and the work I've done in treatment centers for eating disorders, but even just in personal relationships, like that's what everyone wants. And I, yes, I just give you so much credit for doing that work in the hospital. I know just in my internship rotation, I struggled with it because of like the brevity and the fact that you just, it can make you feel powerless. Um, But Man, those old people! I just had so much fun with them.
1: <laughs> Favorite part, like when I left, that was probably one of the saddest things. Yeah. Realizing, like, oh my gosh, my like connection to the geriatric population is They're incredible. Um, they are incredible.
0: Yeah, anytime I saw like a a patient chart or something. And the age was like above 75. I was like, I'll take it. I'll take it, please (laughs) send me there. And I would just chat. It was, it was amazing. Um, So yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is so important. And I mean, I just love everything you said. And also I'm so deeply saddened by the fact that it is such a stark contrast to a lot of social media. So (laughs) you have had a big foot in both worlds, because like you said, you've been on Instagram for a long time sharing um, nutrition information and your career as a dietitian, and they are just such different worlds. And Mm -hmm. I have loved following the perspective that you bring to Instagram because of all these experiences you've had. So how do you feel about the contrast? What do you notice? And how do you approach it?
1: It is honestly a contrast is like the best way to put it. And I like the best way that I can describe it is like either a pendulum where you're like swinging from one end of the spectrum to the complete opposite Mm -hmm. um, or just like being at two opposite ends of a spectrum. Um, Like I think with my work in the hospital, there are many issues like you know not necessarily related to the patient but just like the lack of education the lack of support um the lack of like prevention and diet and and lifestyle in like the traditional healthcare model um and so patients you know end up in these situations where they didn't even they didn't know any better Mm -hmm. that breaks my heart and i'm like okay well how can we take practical realistic steps to improve your nutrition like that could be drinking less soda that could be maybe not getting a snickers bar at 3 p.m Mm -hmm. Uh, could be eating more vegetables whatever the case but then on the opposite end of the spectrum with like instagram those things can be taken to some like wild extreme Mm -hmm. and all of these like rigid rules and dogmatic diets and protocols we just get kind of absorbed by them and they become like, kind of, like I said earlier, like our identity or it's right. where our worth is found or our satisfaction, or fulfillment. Um, and it's just, I can't even like think of another way to say it. And other than it becomes almost obsessive and like, totally, like, an idolatry or an idol of sort of like, we bow down to, you know, green juice and <laughs> hit workouts and yeah. thing and like doing all these, buying all these expensive supplements and doing all these protocols, but like we're missing the fundamentals. The basics, like-
0: right. Both the basics of nutrition and all those other pieces of wellness. And, you know, I, I, say this often to my clients because i see so many people who struggle or have struggled with eating disorders and Mm -hmm. i i always tell people you know you can't necessarily take the advice for the average american because of how different that standard american diet is from the extremes of wellness culture of orthorexia of that yeah, I'm just going to say extreme again, mindset. And it's just so unfortunate that we need like completely separate, separate messages yes. for different <laughs> subsets of people when ultimately yeah. we all want the same thing yeah, and it comes down to the same basics.
1: Yeah. That's, I think that's probably like my hard struggle with showing up on Instagram is like, mm-hmm. I do see the total opposites of the different spectrum, but I know that if we met in the middle It would benefit, you know, both populations. And so if there's something that may is maybe leaning more towards like the standard population of people and, you know, put some kind of general recommendation out there, Mm -hmm. then someone will inevitably message me and be like, well, you're promoting disordered eating and rule. And I'm like, no, I am not. But I, I can see that perspective from over here. Um, So Yeah, maybe I am. And I try to not put myself in the situation of saying I work with eating disorders because I'm not trained in that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to market myself in that way because I know that not every message I have will be what they need to hear. Like just going back to the example of like the patient in the hospital, me telling them, hey, maybe have something else instead of a Snickers at 3 p. Like on the opposite end with someone with, you know, wildly disordered eating habits and a terrible relationship with food, that might be the very best and healthiest thing for them to do. Mm -hmm. Right. I cannot discount that. Like, but that's just from my perspective in the hospital, I'm not saying the Snickers is bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's find some other alternatives.
0: Right. And it comes down to that, like nuance and language and not using the good or bad and all of that. I don't think you promote disordered eating at all, but yes, anything like there's also just the reality that no message on social media is going to appeal to everyone, Everyone. you know, and I could be sharing something that will help someone with their disordered eating and someone else will say, oh, you're trying to make everyone unhealthy and like, (laughs) you just can't win. And so I, I also, I try to show the balance. Um, and just prove that like there is a middle ground and you can prioritize health in non-disordered ways and it also can be taken too far.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, there, there's just no one message that will make every camp happy because we've become so like segmented.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's on just terrible for me because I am trying to not be a people pleaser, but <gasps> it is a natural bent for me. Um, yeah. So, it's tough for sure but yeah we're just it goes to show that we're all so different and right I mean there are the fundamental things that I always come back to that I'm like these would benefit everyone totally yeah like they just would um and it's yeah yeah no absolutely and I always come back to like those kind of fundamental things they um they're not sexy they're not flashy Mm -hmm. and they don't like you know the Instagram algorithm doesn't like it. And so people don't see it or it's just not as flashy. And so people don't pay attention because they just bat it off. And you're like, oh, I know that's so, that's so simple. That's not going to work. I need right. something, I need something more intense or more complex. And it's like, right. You're like how intense over- have you
0: gone? And has it worked?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you're literally walking over like a hundred dollar bills to like chase after a dime. Yes, that is, yeah, that's
0: a, a great yeah. analogy for sure. No, absolutely. And I mean, I I can tell from your content that like that applies to your fitness as well. Like that's a huge part of your message. And I love seeing someone share home workouts. Like I don't think <laughs> I'll ever go back to a gym after COVID. I got my weights at home and like that's my jam. Um, and even that can be simple. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I have gone back to the gym, but we still have our weights at home, and I love it. Like there will be days where I'm like, I'm not going to the gym, but I can do a 20 minute circuit at home, and that's good. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, it's kind of going back to this like all or nothing or more is better mentality of being like, no. And I can't remember. I think James Clear said this all the time so like i did not come up with this but you can't do it all do something small Mm. that is like a i don't know a jingle or rhyme or whatever that i like have to remind myself and i try to remind clients and and clients of like you don't have to do it all but something really is better than nothing right Um, and it will build and compound over time Um, whether it's, you know, you're working out at the gym or you're working at home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, I love that. And maybe you can share some of your small things with this. We've talked about these different, um, why am I blanking? Determinants of health. Duh. My my master's program was in public health, which I appreciate so much. I think Just the public health mindset is amazing. Um, And they very much focus on all those aspects of health. So in your life and with your clients, um, but I'm also curious, personal, and I'm sure people are too, uh, how do you incorporate the non-food parts of health into your life? You share tons of recipes. We get to see great food on your page. But what are those non-food things that you think make you a healthy person?
1: Yeah, I I know. I try... Well, I don't intentionally try to steer away from sharing only food. Like when I started, well, this is background and you can edit this out. But (laughs) when I started the account, like it was kind of for personal accountability. um, Definitely had like a more disordered relationship with food, which I feel like I probably share on Instagram. But it was also just like a visual cookbook of sort of like, Mm -hmm. oh, I made this meal and it was good and I want to make it again. Yeah. But... I've kind of moved away from that. That's because like food doesn't take such a front seat in my life Mm -hmm. or if like I'm just exerting my creative energy to other outlets of life and food has taken more of a back seat in terms of creativity. Mm -hmm. I eat the same breakfast most days of the week. (laughs) I eat the same meal week, you know, throughout the week and I change it throughout the week um, because it's simple, but I don't have a whole lot of like, You know, I'm not a recipe blocker or influencer.
0: Me, I thought I wanted to be for like a hot second. And during COVID, I was like, oh, I have all this time. Let me make recipes. And I realized I hate recipe testing. I hate the precision of it.
1: Oh my God, it's terrible. Yeah. So like, I'm just like, here's a dash of, you know, garlic powder, measure with your heart, whatever. If you, you know, whatever. Um, So anyway, actually, actually answering your question, non (laughs) that I do to kind of support my health um I would say there's probably like four one of them that I've been more kind of like down on um recently or down I guess I should say more like not strict it's not the word I'm looking for Mm -hmm. focusing on more we'll put it that way is (laughs) sleep like just sleep we sleep for like a third of our life I was talking with um our doctor at the clinic that I work at and sleep is like a third of our lives. So if we're not getting enough sleep, like, of course, things are going to fall apart and break. So, um, just prioritizing sleep however I can. Um, and that kind of feeds into like, my routines at night, of like getting off my phone, and yeah, give us the whole nighttime routine. I
0: love to hear everyone's routines,
1: so. so this, yeah, it's always a work in progress. I am by no means perfect. I was on yeah. my phone until like nine last night, <laughs> um, but i I've been really trying to put my phone up about like eight p m at the latest mm-hmm. um. One, because when we're not looking at blue light, then it helps our body's natural production of melatonin. It makes it easier to sleep and stay asleep. But um, just because like I don't need the stimulation. like do I really need to be on my, my phone on Instagram at like nine o'clock at night? Right. No, I don't. Um, so I try to be off my phone by eight. I'll you know shower, do my whole little skincare routine, brush my teeth, and just make myself feel like clean going into bed. And then I try to like read or journal. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be five minutes. It might be 30. Usually recently it's been like five. <laughs> um, and then Tyler and I will pray and then we will fall asleep. We will fall asleep quicker than I, but, but <laughs> like nothing fancy. I just do the bare minimum, but it helps me kind of just like calm down. Yeah. And like, Brilliant. and the whole like, you know, rest and digest state and, totally yeah calm down so that is um sleep is a big one for me kind of in line with that is just like regular time to unplug Mm -hmm. from my phone from screens news tv email I think that's probably like one of the biggest needle movers in my kind of health Mm -hmm. um at this time because we are just like so overstimulated
0: yeah. Do you take like a day of the week or like, how do you work that into your schedule? Cause it's, yeah. it's hard to get away. And is- I know like living in New York city, New York oh, city, especially, yeah. I'm like, there's always something to do. I have such a hard time with like rest.
1: I can imagine. Yeah. Right now I don't do a whole day. Um, I usually, I try to be off my phone by 8 um, PM. And then I try not to look at it until like seven or eight in the morning. But um I'm toying with the idea of taking like a whole day or just the whole weekend. Yeah. With my phone. Um and I'll try to like go out for a walk. There's like a we have a really nice arboretum here and I conveniently don't have any cell service. So, amazing. <laughs> I try to plan my walks to be there so that I'm forced to be unplugged and just like be in nature. Um but yeah, I think it's honestly there's so much information, there's so much comparison, there's so much like news and strife and it's just like we are finite human beings that we cannot like we cannot hold all of this. No wonder we have so much stress and anxiety and overwhelm.
0: Yes I know even just the small thing of like when I'm walking my dog I have been making more of an effort recently to like not have a podcast on, not even have music on, like there's still plenty to pay attention to. So like, let me just be in the world and present. And I also very recently, which is probably embarrassing to admit, started sleeping with my phone, not right next to my bed, Uh, Yeah, putting it on the opposite side of the apartment so that I cannot reach it from bed. And that's a game changer.
1: It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big one. And then two others. Well, one is getting out in nature. Um, I just, just like, thankfully I live in such a beautiful space that it's like right in my back door, but just like being in nature Mm -hmm. has been very restorative to me. Um, And then the final one would be like the very uncomfortable, hard work of dealing with like stress and negative like thought patterns and mental maps that, we can kind of develop in our mind and we don't even think about or realize usually because we're always on our phone and distracting ourselves. Right. So it all kind of like feel like weave together, but um, you know, journaling or having like silence and solitude, um, unplugging from screens and like actually taking time to journal or go on a walk with just my thoughts and um, dealing through that because that is a big part of, our health. And
0: yeah. So with like stress mm-hmm. and those negative thoughts that we can be so prone to thinking, I know I like probably skewed negative more than positive, um, at times for sure. Sounds like journaling is a big help for that. Are there other like tangible things you do that really help?
1: Yeah. I think journaling is a big one. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard of like curate your content or curate your media create your news feed, whatever, Yeah. like who are you following? What kind of information are you taking in? Whether it's on your Instagram feed, um, Facebook, if people still use that, the music you listen to, the podcasts you engage in. Um, yeah. I heard a, a dietitian,
0: I forget who, say recently that like your diet is not just food. Your diet is all <laughs> of those things, like everything <laughs> you take in, even media, which yeah. know, that was really helpful to think
1: of. I've I've seen that a couple places um, and it, I mean, it is so true. Like I noticed that, you know, a couple of years ago, I kind of started like changing the music I was listening to and the books I was reading and my Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. And that I really did notice was like a big part of, they're just kind of these like subliminal messages. Right. We see or we hear. And if we see all of these, like, I say this in quotes, perfect bodies and um yeah. hear all of these like idealistic dreams or whatever um that we want or that we desire that are kind of normalized in today's very disordered <laughs> broken society then if that's all we hear then of course we're probably gonna be like sucked in led into yeah comparison and not feeling enough and um being discontent in our own life and our own body and that leads to these kind of negative relationships of course with ourselves, but then with food and fitness and fill in the blank with premature
0: right totally yeah yeah those are some really great those are really great things that I think everyone
1: can get a lot from
0: pay more attention to I know I talk about sleep with all of my clients try to prioritize it myself and na- nature is a big one too like I'm even feeling now I've been in the city all summer and I'm like I gotta get out I gotta go somewhere <laughs> luckily I am very soon so yeah it <laughs> that'll definitely. be good yeah so these are all the things that you do all the positives that give you all of this health and inspiration for wellness and all of that what do you think that most people get wrong about health and the yeah. way they think of it the things they do or don't do
1: I think looking at kind of the Instagram wellness world. I think probably first, well, there's many, but like one of the biggest ones is that there is like a look to health. Mm,
0: and you have a to
1: one. a certain way or like do certain things and like make it look aesthetic. Right. Um, I think that's a big one. Um, of course, like there's not a finish line. I think most people feel like there's some finish line or like, you know, ultimate step, top step of health and, that's not true. Uh, Perfection is not required. Believe it or not, you don't have to be perfect Mm -hmm. at your health. (laughs) Right. Um, What else do I think people get wrong? Um, That while we talk about this, but that complexity is more beneficial or leads to more success. No, usually not.
0: Right. And then yeah. just adds to
1: that stress, which is actually worse
0: for your health than whatever complex thing you are doing or eating or taking.
1: Yeah. I know I posted that on Instagram today. Actually, it was like, if you're oh, I love it. of like a healthy, natural, non-toxic lifestyle is causing you to stress out. Well, newsflash. Not, <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Natural or non-toxic. Right. Um, yeah. But it that kind of like stress cycle. And then I think honestly, just like, people think that their worth and happiness is going to be found in like losing five pounds or feeling better in their body. And, you know, I'm not disregarding, like if you feel uncomfortable in your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, there are times where I feel uncomfortable in my body, but getting to that goal weight that you have is not going to fill in that gap of fulfillment and satisfaction. and um, Yeah. I think that's a really big underlying one for a lot of people that can be hard to even like identify. Um, like
0: self-worth.
1: Yeah. I talk with a lot of like older clients now um, where I am at work and they seek out to see me. Whereas, you know, in the hospital, they didn't Mm -hmm. showed up in their room, but (laughs) I've worked, especially with a lot of like older women, and just to hear them struggle with their weight and how they look and how they feel on their body, and I think a lot of it ties back to like self worth and um just appearance and it's just like heartbreaking
0: it is it really is that like the messages you hear stick with you for so long, That's and now we're in this cycle of like it's just affecting every generation, and it's yeah. it's so sad because oftentimes you know. I think so. a lot of people have positive intention and don't try oh to like mess up children in their life or whatever, but you know, you don't realize that the way you talk about yourself rubs off on everyone around you. And then it's just that like subliminal messaging, yeah. um, where it comes from that size equals everything in life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or like appearance or. Yeah that you are how skinny you are like can you still wear your size four pants and right
0: right and like I mean no one's immune to even myself I was looking at like a real or Instagram story or something that I recorded yesterday of myself and I was like oh my god do I need Botox look at my wrinkles and like I I'm like why why is that what is taking away from like the work I'm trying to do you know
1: yeah yeah there's like a much bigger message that you recorded that for
0: yeah and it's it's just like so present that it's easy to get wrapped up in yeah luckily i've not gotten botox
1: didn't (laughs) make any rash
0: decisions i don't plan to (laughs) yeah yeah so simplicity simplicity we need that and and i also thought this was so interesting i follow which you're probably familiar with um an Instagram account for the, the Blue Zones. Have you heard of the Blue oh, Zones?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: love learning about them. So the Blue Zones are like these, I think there are seven different areas of the yes. world that yeah. have like the highest um, percentage of people who live to 100 or older. And so they've been researched for like longevity um, to see what contributes to longevity. And I saw this post recently that was like the five things that will help you live to 100, which of course is like, you know, the clickbaity headline that everyone wants. Like, ooh, yeah, what is it? <laughs> And one of them was, I mean, they were all fairly simple things, like eat mostly whole foods, get enough yeah. sleep, have a sense of community and having a sense of purpose, it was, which I think is very tied to the self-worth as well. Like, yeah. what are you connected to that's bigger than yourself and that sense of purpose? And like, that is one of the top five things for longevity. Like that, I don't think anyone, if I were to poll all my friends and family would identify that as the things they would think of.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I love the concept of the blue zones and how yeah. simple it is. And, you know, of course have to take into consideration all the nuance or whatever, but like boiling it down and distilling it down to things like that. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I looked at a study the other day that showed like your social support system relationships, like that has a bigger impact on your quality of life than like anything else. Like, like smoking or all kinds of different, like kind of negative you know, health uh, yeah. factor determinants, like having a strong social support system had a better impact on your health. I think uh, and it's, yeah, it's like, we don't think about it because it's not what's in the media or the women's magazines or- right. And you can't
0: just buy it and get it delivered on Amazon to your door yeah. the next day. You have to like put in a lot of work. <laughs>
1: To cultivate and like show up and be vulnerable and mm-hmm. yeah, like pour into other people right. um, in a culture that is very like me focused.
0: Totally, yeah. So, there are so many things <laughs> like, I don't want to like ask you to choose one, but I'm gonna ask you to choose one. <laughs> and <laughs> this last topic and little tidbit probably will. Um, give people a clue to what you might say. I have a clue to yeah. what you might say, but let's say somebody listening wants to, they know they want to improve their health. They want to start today. They're feeling inspired. What is one change that you would tell someone to make to start improving their health right now?
1: Um, okay. Well, I'm bending the rules and I have to, one, okay. <laughs> one is my dietitian answer. And then the other one is going to be like a life answer. Okay. <laughs> Which sounds bigger than it really. Is. <laughs> um, the dietitian answer is quit assigning morality to food. Um, yes. I love like, that. It's the more I'm a dietitian, the longer I'm a dietitian. Like I feel like so much of our struggles with food is because we're assigning morality to it. Mm-hmm. And then like, if we eat something, you know, quote unquote bad, then we feel bad. We are bad. and We have to start mm-hmm. over and right. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and cycle um, so just, like, quit assigning morality to food. Like, yeah, we know, to go with my example of a Snickers bar, yeah, we know it is a picture of health, but, like, if all you can think of is a Snickers bar, but you go and eat, like, a rice cake with peanut butter, right. you be two because, you know. Yeah.
0: Oh, gosh, no.
1: And then that doesn't satisfy <laughs> you, but then you eat, like, a bag of popcorn and then, like, whatever else. Like, just eat the Snickers bar yeah. and then figure out why you were craving it so much like did oh, you go really? all day without eating right. did you like have you been restricting yourself like we got to get to the bottom so i think assigning quit assigning morality to food is one of the biggest i it love that the root of the issue it's not just like a band-aid of like right you know quit i mean pair your protein with carb fantastic love it but we got to get deeper yeah um, yeah, and then my life answer is getting mm-hmm. off of your phone and getting outside.
0: Yes, oh, that's also such a good one. I need to take that advice more often.
1: Yeah. Like getting off your phone. They're great. Yeah. It's so great to be connected. like hello, we're connected through Instagram. Yeah, incredible, right? Yeah <laughs> but there's also clearly a negative side of it, and just taking time to get off with your screen.
0: No, I love that. I finally, like, turned on my my screen time limits again, like the app limit for Instagram. I wish I didn't need that level of, like, a control, but I do. I really do. And sometimes I still ignore it. So oh, I do that, too. Yeah. Always working on that. Um, but, yeah, like, physically separating myself from my phone really helps. Um, and I love that for even going outside. Like, leave your phone behind if you can't. Obviously, be safe and, like, tell right. people okay. where you're going. Um, but delete Instagram for a day, whatever it is. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that is a great tip. Cool. And yeah, those are a little, um, unexpected in a way from the norm. Yeah, <laughs> Cool. You, oh,
1: that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I always can take things a little bit too deep.
0: <laughs> no, not too deep. It's what we need. It's what we need. You know, I was also hoping maybe you would say to like eat liver or something because I, <laughs> i love that you talk about it so much and i always think about um so my biochem professor my i think it was my first year of grad school when we were going through the micronutrients all the vitamins and minerals and we would learn what they are and what they do and the different food sources top of the list of the food sources for like every vitamin and mineral this professor was like liver organ meats he was so gung-ho about it and we would all laugh like and eh, that's gross but like it's true they are so nutrient dense
1: yeah i man that was a missed opportunity now y'all know liver Your i know i heard, for liver on my story it was a recent study about nutrient density of food and yeah liver is literally at the top of the list you get that's like true. a third of the recommended intake of like six different nutrients yeah, with like literally 11 calories of liver. And I joked, I was like, is that like licking it? I mean. Yeah, right. Wow. 11 calories. 11 calories. So yeah, I'm like, you can do that. Anyone can do that. Yeah.
0: I just, I mean, my dad will talk about how his mom made like liver and onions on Sundays growing up and he says it was gross. So I don't know, but I'm sure there are better ways to prepare.
1: There's better ways to do it. We make it with um, bacon and we make it into a pate. Oh, yeah, I mean, bacon makes everything better. (laughs) Hello, bacon is involved.
0: Yeah, great. Cool. So extra tip, liver. (laughs) Is there anything else we didn't touch on that you want to share as a a takeaway? I mean, I feel like we covered a lot. I feel like we did. Yeah. This was was inspiring for me. I hope other people find it inspiring. This is a, a good grounding chat to bring us... Bring us down to where it really
1: matters. I know. It's nice to talk with people that like, I don't want to say see eye to eye, but like yeah. see eye to eye and just have an equally grounded like yeah. earth approach to nutrition. Um, it's nice. Yeah, I could talk about I'd it. Really always much. appreciate I it. No, same.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we will have to chat again. Um, nice. I'm already marinating on all the ideas, as I told you. So <laughs> until then do you want to share where people can find you and keep up with all you're doing?
1: Yeah. Um, So you can find me. I am in the process of rebranding. So my new website will be redemptivehealth.com. And I will be changing over my Instagram as well, but um, you can either search food, fitness and faith on Instagram or redemptive health. You will find me at both places and everything will be shifted to redemptive health so Amazing. and i'll Hi. check in with you
0: before so i'll have the right links so it'll yeah. always set people can find you and i'm so excited we're working with the same web designer which is very exciting. Incredible. incredible
1: if you are yeah a dietitian that needs a website or rebranding chloe creative studio
0: oh, girl she's great <laughs> we're her pr team officially <laughs> So excited to see all your new stuff and keep up with you. I will have all your links. Um but yeah, thank you so much Clara for joining.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been the best hour of my whole week.
0: Oh my gosh, <laughs> incredible same. <laughs> Love to hear that. So we will we'll have to chat again. Yes, we will. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day and week. Thank yeah. you. And that's our chat. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Clara. I know I had such a great time talking to her and she had so many great takeaways to share. I do want to put a little reminder in here. If you are listening to this in real time, there are about five days left to snag a discount on my group program, Simply Intuitive. So Simply Intuitive is a group program that is going to be launching next in January of 2023, you can join to have access to a comprehensive course on sustainable holistic health and wellness. So really everything we talked about, about what really gets you and keeps you healthy. It's nutrition, fitness, habits, mindset, relationship with food, um, building a balanced plate, just so many things to, learn to keep you healthy. And then you'll have a community aspect, access to me in this online community 24-7 whenever you want to ask me questions, as well as weekly live Zoom calls with your group for 12 weeks. So I hope you will consider joining and kicking off 2023 in the right way instead of in another diet cycle. So check the show notes, click on Simply Intuitive to join. You can also DM me on Instagram if you're interested. You can get a code for the pre-sale only until November 30th. After November 30th, you can definitely still join. You just won't get that pre-sale. So DM me before the 30th if you want the sale. And if you're listening to this afterwards, you can absolutely still join. I would love to have you. So click the link in the show notes or DM me at Michelle Pillow Nutrition on Instagram. I would love to have you in Simply Intuitive.